It's the desire to change things. It's the desire to move things forward, but it's also the desire to bring everyone else with you in the journey. You know, finding sparks, lighting fires, and then bringing everyone along with you to kind of make change. Hi, I'm Shannon Lucas. And I'm Tracy Lovejoy. And we're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move Fast, Fast, Break Shit, Burn Out, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. In this season of the podcast, we are diving deep into the skills that make catalysts successful. And today we have a catalyst that has mad skills herself, but also is instilling incredible skills in other catalysts around the globe. Susan Linder is the founder and CEO of Innovation Storytellers, a leading innovation storytelling consulting firm. She draws her initial experiences as an anthropologist, an international aid worker in rural Thailand in the 1980s, where she shared stories that helped at-risk populations disproportionately affected by AIDS to slow the virus's spread. And I've gotten to hear that story live. It's very powerful. Today, as a 20-year communications expert, she's committed to using those same storytelling skills to inspire innovation leaders everywhere, to become incredible storytellers and ensure that their innovations are getting the resources, runway, and recognition that they deserve. Susan is the host of her own podcast, Innovation Storytellers, which Shannon has been on, a weekly podcast that takes the mystery out of how to communicate breakthrough ideas to the people who matter most. She's a highly sought after keynote speaker, workshop leader, messaging strategist, storytelling coach, and the world's leading expert on innovation storytelling. And what's the result? Susan will tell us that those innovation leaders become incredible storytellers themselves who go on to change the world because she's driven to ensure that every breakthrough idea reaches its finish line through powerful stories that connect to every listener and power that brilliant idea forward deeply, deeply dear to our hearts, supporting Catalyst. Thank you, Susan, for being here with us today. Thank you so much. I know, you have a great bio, right? (laughs) I'm blushing. (laughs) The weight, the weight of success, Susan Litter, my goodness. (laughs) We'd love to start off by hearing how you relate to the concept of Catalyst. You know, I... I don't know if um, this is like a nature nurture discussion, right? Whether or not we were um, always kind of born challenging the status quo, or if um, are the folks around us nurtured us to say, well, just give it a shot. Why couldn't it be you? (laughs) And I was listening to Melissa McCarthy, you know, she was growing up in, um, you know, the comedian and actress who so many of us love from like Mike and Molly and Bridesmaids. And, you know, her parents said to her, um, as she was growing up in a farm in rural Illinois, well, why couldn't you do that? Why couldn't you do a back handspring? Why couldn't you be an actress in LA? Look at all those other people doing it. Just go do it. And she, you know, that kind of encouragement and that kind of um, a, ability to just say, let's go. Like, I think it's that spark plus those, um, you know, all those, that little bit of like, lint and bark and wood that just make it go, make that fire take off. I think both of those things are necessary. So um, I think of having both of those things in my um, upbringing. I relate to the concept of catalyst because it felt like, why not me? Um, And then the other is, 
how else can we empower other people to now do that next thing? Like the spark and the fire needs to keep going for greatness to happen. And so um, it's the desire to change things. It's the desire to move things forward, but it's also the desire to bring everyone else with you in the journey. For me, that's how I relate to the concept of catalyst is, you know, finding sparks, lighting fires, and then bringing everyone along with you to kind of make change. That's how I got it. I love that. It's, it's really visceral when I hear you say that and that, that forward movement feeling. And so Mm. it sounds like for you as a kid, there were catalytic tendencies, is that right? And that these were nurtured for you as well? Yeah, I'm, I am a child of immigrants. My dad was a Holocaust refugee. He was German Jewish and my mom was German Christian. So my mom was in Hitler youth corps as a kid And my dad was a German Jew and had to flee Germany during World War II and lost all of his family with the exception of his parents in the camps. And so that um, there's a push pull there as a really young kid even going, okay, what's that history? Like they're really, I I always say, and I I do a little bit of standup. I always say, you know, you couldn't have World War II without my family. Like these are the two opposing forces. Like. I'm, I'm a product biologically of those two opposing forces in history. Right? So um, I think I've always felt like this kind of like churning movement inside of me coming from that background. And so um, as a child of immigrants in the United States, it's always, okay, go. Like we came here so you could do something. So go do something. And I always had that desire to just kind of... Um, keep the momentum going, keep moving, uh, keep trying. So it started from a really young age. I started working when I was 13. I put myself through school um, because I had to, and then just dove in. I think my favorite though is thinking about anthropology for the anthropologists on the call and all those anthropological listeners in the audience. I remember telling my parents I was majoring in anthropology and they didn't know what it was. And my dad went to the Webster's Dictionary and wrote down the definition of anthropology on his business card so that when his customers asked him, what is little Susie studying at school? He would just read the definition and say, I still don't know what it is, but she really (laughs) likes it. (laughs) And that was my motivator. Were your parents people who were motivated to create change, you know, part of this nature nurture, right? I think living through experiences like that could make us hunger for quiet. It can also propel us. I wonder what that was like for you. Yeah, I think my parents were seekers of peace. You know, they wanted everything to just kind of calm down. They had no interest in religion. Right. They had no interest in um, I remember asking them because I was an activist from a young age on one wall on my in my room. I had pictures of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, uh, Gandhi. Those were my heroes on one wall. And then the other side was teenage me, Duran Duran, the police, <laughs> um, dead Kennedys you know, <laughs> in excess, you know, some. Um, so I had those opposing <laughs> forces just wanting to move things forward. They wanted peace. And so they weren't interested in in movements. And I remember asking them, you were here in the 60s. Um, What protests did you go to in support of civil rights? And they were like, we went to work was the answer. (laughs) Just trying to support ourselves in this country. So, you know, 
about joining a movement. They're like, we, we were, our, we were the movement. We were just trying to survive. Right. So it was, um, it was a different experience. They, they didn't want any piece of that, but I did. I can understand that. I can understand that, right? And as, as someone who studies catalysts, it's incredibly helpful. So thank you for sharing and, and diving deep into that family history. As you know, we're talking about skills this season. And so I would love to hear in your own life, Susan, what do you find are one or two essential skills that have really made you successful as a catalyst? And would invite you to tell some stories along with that. Um, you know, I think about it from the work um, more so I think than myself, you know, storytelling has been such a big part of my life. And I think of, you know, the history of my family, we share with one another through story. There's like many of us, right? There's nothing documented. There's nothing that comes with us. It's, we survive on the lore that our parents gave us. And those stories were so important to me because I knew the people who created those stories weren't with us anymore. And yet they had a really important piece of history. And so I think you know, in my, in 10 years after college of working in public health, I really tried to value the stories of the, of the people that I was working with, whether it was in, in Central America or whether it was in Thailand or Southeast Asia. And so um, I spent a lot of time working in brothels in Southeast Asia, doing AIDS education with sex workers and their customers. And the stories that I got to hear about survival and the desire for thriving after a life as a sex worker were really important to me. Those were dreams that individuals had, and I had to honor those stories. And I also came to find that the stories that we tell ourselves are the way that we can move ourselves out of a particular moment in time, especially when it's life or death. So I was in a place where one in six people, one in six sexually active people were HIV positive. And the tools we had to stop that disease were none. Condoms, clean needles, that was it. And so by recognizing the stories we tell ourselves about how to survive in an epidemic or a pandemic as we face it now, um, are the ones that will guide us into new behaviors and new futures. And so storytelling for me is not just, oh, that's an interesting tale, but rather it's the opportunity to value someone sitting across the table. It's an opportunity to seek empathy and understanding about what's going on with them, but it's also an opportunity to create a solution that's told in a story. It actually is the mechanism that creates a bridge from where we are today to where we want to be tomorrow. And if cognitively we can't tell ourselves that story and then share it with another person, we have a very hard time getting to that future. And so for me, storytelling is really important. It's not like a nice to have, or it's not something we talk about over a beer. It's actually the way we move humanity forward. It's by telling the story first. So storytelling is a really important skill for me as a catalyst. And then the other thing as, um, as a catalyst is really figuring out how to bring other people on board. It's figuring out how, how to... Um, make everyone feel like they have a seat at the table, that there's a sense of belonging. And I know that word is really quite new, but I actually think story is that other mechanism that brings other people to the fold. So how do we figure out as a catalyst, if we're looking for change and we know we're gonna bounce up against walls, how do we bring other people with us? Because I think working in innovation, the myth of innovation is that there was one great man, right? There's one great human who's creating <laughs> change. And it's 
always a team. If you look even a tiny bit beneath the surface, it's always a team. So we can't move forward unless we get other people on board with the mission. And so those are the two big skills for me is storytelling and creating influence that other people want to come along for the ride. Thank you. And, and I'll start with the storytelling. I was jotting notes as you were talking because my mind was, um, it seems small to say like, oh, wow, my mind was blown. But you all of a sudden broke up in, for me what storytelling was in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before. Uh, and you and I have, have worked together, right? We get to, you know, have you, you know, be our storytelling um, guide in, in work that we do, which is amazing. But what I, some of the things I heard, and I'm sure I missed some is, you know, storytelling is, is a way to connect to dream. Storytelling is a way to mindset shift. Storytelling, I love what you said, is a way to connect to new behaviors and new futures, right? It is, a, is it a way to connect and honor other people the role that storytelling can take is so vast in our lives. And I hadn't really thought about it as having its own uh, different places in, in what it can do for us in our lives. Thank you for, for helping us see that range. You know, and if I can share, I had on, on, on my podcast, the head, the chief of innovation at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And I asked him, you know, how do you even conceive of the future of space travel? Like, you're the guy who's thinking about what's coming next. How do you even think about what the next 50 years of us going into space looks like? How do you do it? And he said, we gather Hollywood script writers, science fiction writers, futurists, um, NASA scientists, some, and then we put them all in a room with lots of whiteboards and we write a fiction of what the future of space travel will look like. And then we work backwards to bring it to life. So it's our, that is what Disney calls imagineering. You imagine something and then you build it. And so that process of how we all watch space unfold starts off just like a Star Trek script or a Star Wars script, right? It's yeah. thinking into the future and then making it real. And so it is the link to the future, it is the link to our ancestors and what we know from what came before us. And it is the link even to our own behavior change, right? The story you tell yourself. And then the story we tell inside of our corporate walls, the story we tell at work. Strategy is just a story until you start doing it. Shannon and I talk a lot about vision and this vision being kind of a key first step for Catalyst in, in, in for our intuitive way to be seeing the, the way the world can be better around them. I, have, I don't think I've ever used stories synonymously and I see what a gap that has been in, in how I talk about vision. Um, because what you're saying essentially is, you know, that thing, that place that you can see, that story you can tell yourself, what we, what we call vision. And I feel like vision is a word that has become almost lofty, that some people feel like is inaccessible, whereas story is incredibly accessible. And so I, I just am loving this so much. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for, for what you're bringing forward for me and for the audience. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'd love to dive into that second skill bringing others on board, right? Giving them a seat at the table, creating a sense of belonging. Okay, how do we do that, Susan? Well, <laughs> you host a small party, lots of liquor, and watch what happens. Um, <laughs> 
I think the way you do that is at least the way I do it. I'll, I'll start there. The way that I bring other people on board is first understanding who who I need to bring on board, right? And I really need to ask the question, what motivates them? And I look back at their past behavior, what's motivated them? You know, whether it's steps in their career, if I'm looking at someone's LinkedIn profile, for example, and I want to understand how to bring someone on board, I want to understand the steps they took previously. I want to understand the stories that motivated them to get to where they are. Um, and I also want to, want to understand what motivates them, what comes next. So I don't just want to think about what's obvious. Um, maybe it's the next step in their career. Maybe they want to raise or a promotion in the next you know, six months, a year. But maybe I want I need to look more deeply at their values, their purpose, um, those underlying traits that aren't just transactional, but rather that hold people to a place. So that's incumbent upon me. If I want to bring other people on board, it's on me to understand what motivates their behavior change. Because if I need to bring them from one state to another, then I need to figure out what's actually going to be that catalyst for the next step. So it's a matter of understanding values, purpose, and also what motivates the next right thing. And we talk about this a lot in our work together is breadcrumbing. So what's the next right step? So I might plant a picture of this is what heaven could look like if we all do this thing together. But the next right step for right now is X. And so I ask myself if the next right step, step that I'm asking them to take intersects with their values, purpose, and motivators. And when I get that trifecta, then I feel like people go, yes, it works with me, it works with you, it's a win-win. Now we can go forward into the future together. But without those, then I don't feel like I necessarily have buy-in or at least buy-in for a long time, mm -hmm. right? I can shock someone with fear, do this or else, that'll work for a little bit, but, um, Unless I'm um, I'm aligned on those three things, values, purpose, and those selfish motivators, then I'm not going to be here for a while. And we can't do it all on altruism either. I'm looking for ways of, I'm always looking for the intersection of selfish altruism. I want to do good for humanity and what's in it for me. Because I find like those are the things we, we need both of in order for, to get this to work. Just That's to a keep, great point just to keep going, right? If I'm not getting anything out of it, then I, I can't be around for the long-term either. There was a presenter, actually a couple of presenters. Um, we have a, an executive mastermind, our Catalyst Leadership Trust, and we were talking about climate change and, and the presenters were talking about how do you really motivate people to shift their behaviors around them? And it seems so obvious now, but at the time, it totally, like my mind was like, what? And they said, stop talking about the altruism and talk about the joy, hmm. right? Talk about that, that vast benefit that we're going to feel that positive. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, of course, that ultimate, ultimate motivator. Um, not just the like do it for the environment, right? Like we all will say that at the rally and then we're at home and we're like, oh, I can't recycle one more minute, you know, it's the joy, right? How do you tap into that motivation? I love that. Values, purpose, motivators, the perfect trifecta. Yeah, for me. Mm -hmm, you, you mentioned that that's going to be something that's going to help you in really knowing that people are with you. How do you know? Mm. 
I don't know. Do we issue tests? I think it, <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes, I think it comes up over time. Like you get to see the resistance, you get to see the enthusiasm and the turnaround. Um, and I also think we get to play with different roles. So I'll give you an example. I'm um, on the board of the Black National Speakers Association because surely um, this daughter of German and Jewish immigrants, right, should naturally sit in this place. But I, I decided I wanted, I had the privilege of, of um, A, being asked to serve, but B, saying, I want to be in a servant role in this opportunity and say, I'd like to be the secretary on the board. I'd like to step back and understand what leadership looks like from a different perspective. And I would like to be in a service role in this capacity. I wanna understand what that looks like and I wanna learn. So I can take a step back and say, okay, this is the, this is the place I'd like to be um, in this particular opportunity. And then say, where can I give back? Where can I support? Um, I can be in a different space in my own business and say, I'm the CEO of my company. Therefore, my role is to lead. And um, I know that I can bring other people on board, not just by paying them a paycheck, but also seeing how other people want to participate and how they show up. And if there are deficiencies where people aren't showing up, then it's my job to figure out where I'm missing on, where I'm out of alignment with my purpose, my values, my motivation, and theirs. So it's important for me to check in as I'm trying to move things forward, as I'm trying to be the catalyst that I hope to be, to make sure that I'm in constant alignment. Otherwise, um, people fall off, right? That they're, they're not kind of like on, on the same mission train anymore, but that's on me okay. as a leader. That's on me to make sure that we're maintaining the alignment. And if something's off, then that's a conversation. And so it sounds like looking for engagement, looking that people are showing up, looking that they're doing the work, that they're connecting with you and being able to pay attention to those signs wholeheartedly. Yeah, and also to bring their own creativity, mm -hmm. you know, to simply do as asked or um, to do it expeditiously doesn't mean you're doing it with a full heart. Mm. And so um, I wanna make sure that people are experiencing, like Shannon said, the joy in the doing too, not just mm -hmm. in the because mm -hmm. there's that, that's for sure. Well, I'm gonna leave us there because that made me have a full heart. So <laughs> thank you for the gift of that conversation. And I'm gonna turn it right over to Shannon for rapid fire. All right, you ready, Susan? I'm so ready. Awesome. And I'm super curious to hear you answer this one. One thing that you do to be ready for a big meeting. Um, so a lot of my work is speaking, so you might find me doing vocal exercises before getting on a call to shake off any kind of nervousness or, um, distraction, something else that might be going in my head. I'm also, I like shaking out my energy. I like moving my body before, um, a big meeting. And then the other thing as, you know, a 20 year PR person and media trainer, is going, what three points do I absolutely positively need to leave my audience with, you know, before a big meeting? What do I need to make sure they never, never forget um, from the session? So I want to make sure I have those three clear points because frankly, we can't remember any more than that and neither can our audience. I love that so much because we we work with people like, you know, you helping us help catalysts tell their stories and to hear someone as experienced as you as a keynote speaker, 
say that you still get nerves and there's things that you do to get back in your body and let those nerves go while thinking about the clarity is I think kind of like permission for all of us to acknowledge that part of that process. So thank you for that. All right, what is, if you have them, what is your favorite way to spend a free day? Um, so I'm a foodie and I'm ridiculously, like insatiably curious, like have to know all things. Like I'm probably the Cliffy Clavin at your cocktail party, like regaling you with um, facts you never wanted to know. I'm a, a misery on an airplane sitting next to you. I probably won't stop talking. I'm getting better, I'm getting better. But the thing I like to do on a day off is um, if I'm if I'm organized, I want to go on a food tour of a place in my city um, or in another city that I've never been to before. So just recently, I went on a food tour of Chinatown in New York and um, found out there was a Michelin star dim sum restaurant in Chinatown and wound up trying some of the best Chinese food I have never had as a lifelong New Yorker. So there's so many things to discover. Those are my two favorite things, art, architecture, and food. Can't beat it. Awesome. And we can vouch because you sent us the food porn with the bagels this weekend, which made me insanely jealous. And <laughs> Can't beat lox and bagel on a Sunday morning. <laughs> All right. What's one of your favorite famous catalysts, alive or dead, and why? You know, this was a really hard question to answer because there are so many that come to mind. And um, so as a woman, there are lots of folks um, who have paved the way for us, but I like the little known catalysts who have made our lives better on a daily basis. So I think of, if I can choose, can I choose two? Go for it. So um, African-American women who have made incredible contributions to our world. So Mary Beatrice Davison Kenner um, patented many, many innovations in her lifetime. Um, including the new and improved bathroom tissue holder, like the toilet roll, right? Um, and, and the maxi pad. So she was the first person to develop the belt in olden days that our moms would use that would go with the maxi pad so that our moms could continue doing the thing they always needed to do, even in the midst of what was happening with their bodies. And so I'm very grateful to patent holders, right? And those who advance the cause of women to make their lives easier and better every day. So she is one that I think paved the way for so many of us to do things during that time of the month that we never would have been able to do before. Mm. Um, and Dr. Shirley Jackson is another incredible um, black woman, innovator, entrepreneur, catalyst. Um, she was the first black woman to get a doctorate from MIT, the first black president of a major technical institute. Um, and she is the forerunner of caller ID, um, which would lead to all different things like the touchtone phone, portable fax machines, fiber optic cables, you name it. Dr. Shirley Jackson is a catalyst and an innovator that you never heard of that you absolutely positively have to get to know more about. So much gratitude for bringing those in. We will post links in our show notes so that people can learn more about those two fabulous catalysts that changed our lives in so many ways. Thank you for that. You bet. All right. We love working with you. Do you have a call of action for our listeners? Well, I would love your listeners to become my listeners on the podcast, which is called the Innovator Innovation Storyteller Show. We don't talk about the thing that's getting innovated. We talk about the stories that we tell 
to get breakthrough ideas to move through an organization? What are the stories that you need to tell your colleagues to get the CEO, the board, the engineering team, whoever it may be on board to get the resources, the runway and the recognition that innovators and catalysts deserve. So you can find it on iTunes or on YouTube, um, the Innovation Storyteller Show. And I'll plus one that the, the caliber of the speakers that you have is just phenomenal. So yes, to our listeners. To our listeners, well, Susan, thank you so much to you. We love talking with you as always, and I always learn at least five things when I listen to you. So thank you. Likewise, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at catalystconstellations.com. Be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Shift, Burn Out. And if you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way. 